Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt Miller, and this is Lead to Win. My dad and I are on sabbatical for the month of July. For this month, we've handpicked a few of the most popular episodes of the podcast for you to enjoy. Each week, another favorite. So sit back and enjoy this encore episode, and we'll be back with more great content in August. Lead to Win is brought to you by Leaderbox, a monthly reading experience curated by leaders for leaders. Learn more at leaderbox.com. In the summer of 1914, Europe was on the brink of war. After the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the major powers mobilized millions of soldiers and tons of materiel in preparation for the conflict we know as World War I. In those days, the world ran on steam power. It would be steam locomotives that delivered armies and ammunition to the front lines. At the start of the war, some 90 trains a day arrived at Southampton, England, loaded with men and supplies bound for the continent. On August the 18th alone, 20,000 men, 1,200 horses, 210 bicycles, 20 cars, and 600 other vehicles were unloaded there, all on their way to the front. Over the next four years, Britain would feed two and a half million men into the war effort, all transported by rail. But there was a problem with a steam locomotive. Smoke. Plumes of white exhaust from the coal-fired engines were visible for miles, making any train near the front an easy target for enemy guns. What could be done? The gasoline engine was being used to power cars, but it lacked the horsepower to directly drive the massive weight of a train. Electricity was also coming of age, and electric trains were in use in some cities, but they depended on having power lines strung above the tracks, and no lines were in place near the fighting. So the Allies faced a dilemma. Would they risk lives by relying only on steam trains, or would they attempt to quickly build more automobiles and better roads? Or could they perhaps string electric cables to the battlefront? Or was there another option, a way to combine the best existing system with these newer technologies? In 1903, the Russians had launched a tanker ship powered by a new hybrid technology, the diesel electric engine. The diesel engine powered a generator, which fed the electric motor. The electric motor acted like a transmission, instantly delivering full power. This revolutionary approach combined the portability of a petroleum-fired engine with the smooth, reliable power of an electric motor. Could it work for trains too? By the war's end, some 300 petroelectric locomotives were in use, running supplies to the front lines. These hybrid vehicles combined the massive capacity of the railroad, the lower emissions of gasoline engines, and the steady dependability of electric power. This same hybrid continues to drive any number of vehicles, including trains, ships, and yes, cars. When it comes to technology, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Sometimes, you can have the best of both worlds. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. In this episode, we'll show you our own hybrid technology, a calendar system, and a task management system that'll enable you to get control of your schedule and your task list once and for all. 
As leaders, we all have a multitude of commitments, appointments, and deadlines. Some days, it seems as if all we do is run from one deadline to the next. Calendar notifications and reminders seem to have taken control of our lives. We're always one step behind. But today, we'll show you the three basic tools that will enable you to manage your day. Plus, we'll have a visit from our own Director of Operations, Susie Barber, who will give us some practical tips on coordinating your calendar with an executive assistant. When we're done, you'll be able to live each day with the confidence that you're fully focused on the things that matter most. Hey, but before we dive into today's content, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're enjoying Lead to Win, would you please leave a review? It's super simple to do. All you have to do is visit michaelhyatt.com slash review it. It'll only take a couple minutes. Thanks so much. So dad, everybody knows that you're an early adopter of technology and you absolutely love digital solutions. I know that when we came out with a paper calendar solution last year, the full focus planner, it surprised a lot of people. So let's start by talking about your thoughts on that process and how did you arrive at using both a digital calendar and a paper planner? Okay. Let me get to this by telling you a little bit about my story. Um, I've always been a planner. And I started with a paper planner back in college. At first, it was, I think, called the Seven Star Mini Diary. (laughs) And then I evolved into uh, another time management system, ended up finally with the Covey Planner. And I carried that thing with me everywhere. But about that time, digital solutions came online. Mm -hmm. And there were all kinds of them. You know, there was the Palm Pilot, and there were things available for your laptop, and then eventually we got to the smartphone, right? right? So I went all in on the digital. In fact, I was totally committed to the paperless office. I didn't want any paper anywhere, all digital. <laughs> but I started to notice some limitations, Yeah, that uh, it was really easy to fall into the black hole of social media and digital distraction and get completely unfocused and not get anything done. Mm-hmm. And so then I realized there's got to be a better way. You know, digital does have its advantages for sure, right? I mean, it's it's very easy to to share your calendar, for example, or to be able to track it on any devices. Uh, if there's changes, you know about them instantly. Your assistant knows about them instantly. So there's definitely advantages to digital solutions. But it has huge drawbacks and mostly distractions. And I found that the more I got involved in the digital technology, the less I was actually getting accomplished. Why? because I was getting distracted too often. And so I realized there had to be a different solution. Now, paper also has advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. You know, the great thing about paper is that you've always got it with you. I mean, I've tried to come up with so many hacks for how to add a task digitally. You know, I've tried everything (laughs) from speaking it to Siri to trying to type it, you know, fast on my uh, computer into Ever or my smartphone into Evernote. But it's never as fast as just grabbing a piece of paper and writing it down. Mm The problem with that, though, is that the pieces of paper get lost and reshuffled and you can never find the piece of paper. So what's the best solution? And in my experience, the best solution is a hybrid solution. And that's the solution I've been using now for a couple of years and the one that's made me, I think, the most productive I've ever been in my life. Yeah, me too. Okay, so people are probably wondering, what task do you use uh, each technology for digital or paper? Yeah. So I still keep my calendar in a digital format. So I use Google Calendar. We'll look at that in just a little bit. 
But uh, I keep my calendar there digitally because people in the company have to reference it. Some people outside the company have to reference it. It makes it very easy for us to collaborate and be aware of what everybody in the company is doing at any given time, especially those projects that are, you know, mutually shared. So like if there's any kind of complex calendar management that's, um, whether your own calendar is complex or there's integration with other calendars with other people or teams, then a paper solution is going to be insufficient there. That's right. And so then when it comes to task management, currently I'm using Todoist. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past I've used Nosby and still love that. And I'm not really fully settled on Todoist. But my point is it doesn't really matter what tool you use, as long as you use one that's working for you. And I think those are two great tools. So like I will do the today's tasks, those are going to go in my paper planner. Again, I'll illustrate this here in a minute. But anything that kind of needs to be put on the back burner or needs to to be put in a place where I can get to it later, that's going to go into my digital task management system. But for staying focused in the moment throughout the day, that's where I'm going to use the paper planner that's got my current agenda. And it's also got my current list of tasks, the ones that I'm going to do today. Well, that's one of the challenges of using an all digital solution is that it can easily become invisible to you. You can sort of lose focus. Not only can you become distracted when you're using it, but you can lose focus in the first place because it's not front and center. So on a daily basis, you kind of forget where you're supposed to be, for example, you know, your next meeting or, or whatever it is, you forget whatever you were trying to write down, it gets lost on your way to speak it into Siri or, or Evernote. And so the great thing about using uh, an analog tool is that it's front and center all day long, which is helpful. It's true. And I think there's something powerful about actually writing it down. You know, when I'm writing down my tasks, it's an opportunity for me to kind of slow down and review what I'm committing to for the day. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with my calendar appointments. Like some of the calendar appointments that I have for today or any day are things that were committed to weeks or sometimes months ago. And maybe I've forgotten why I was committed to that or what I need to do to prepare for that or just to get in the right mindset to really maximize that time with somebody else. So by writing it down, it gives me an opportunity to re-engage and actually say yes to that appointment again. So I like the value of doing that on a daily basis. So if I'm a leader and I'm only using a digital calendar, besides that benefit of recommitting, what else am I missing out on by having no uh, paper analog representation of what I'm doing on a daily basis? Well, I think for one thing, like I like to take all my notes in a, in a paper planner too. Mm-hmm. So believe me, I've tried everything. I've tried just typing into Evernote. I've taken that into meetings and tried typing on it. Problem with that is when you're typing on a laptop in a meeting, everybody thinks you're doing email and not paying attention, mm-hmm. right? And so, sometimes that's true. <laughs> and sometimes that's true. And so then um, I tried an iPad and I tried typing into that. Well, that was the same problem. Then I tried using the Apple Pencil. Well, that's more trouble than it's worth, honestly. Believe me, yeah. I've tried every application on the iPad trying to take real-time meeting notes, and I end up futzing with the technology. You know, whether it's figuring out what line width I'm going to select on the pencil, to what color, to how I'm going to organize it. I mean, it's just maddening to try to get a workflow. Mm-hmm. And it's not intuitive. I don't care how much they make it like paper. But if they're going to make it like paper, why not use paper? Right. You Paper's know, so s- great. Let's just use it. Yeah. If you want to scan it later into Evernote, you can do that. That's that's no problem. But the paper's readily available. The battery life's great. You can get <laughs> right to it and get your note down. So I use paper in the meetings. And then nobody has any question about what you're doing. And it's a great way to demonstrate to your team that you're paying attention and that you're fully engaged in the meeting. So to write those notes... And there's something about also, and we've seen the science on this before too, but there's something about writing the note that reinforces it to your brain and makes it more memorable. Mm -hmm. And 
it's different than just taking a transcript of what's being said. And that's what happens to people when they take notes in a meeting on a computer. Yeah. They tend to just take a transcript of what's being said instead of actually synthesizing and analyzing what's being said and then writing down your insights, not just a record of what's being said, but what how you're reacting to what's being said. That's a huge, important, high-level brain function. Okay, so a lot of people are probably wondering if they shift to a hybrid model here, is it going to take them twice as long to manage their calendar and their tasks? Yeah, because in a sense, it feels like it's redundant. Right. Right. So you're entering it into a digital calendar. Now you're going to enter it into an analog calendar. Well, a couple things to note about that. First of all, I don't think of it as redundancy as much as I think of it as review. So with a digital solution, you might enter an appointment into a calendar and never think about it again until it comes time to actually go to that meeting or engage in that activity. That's a problem. It probably needs to be reviewed uh, sometime before that. And the thing I like about writing in my analog planner, the big rocks, the big commitments, is it gives me a chance to review those things, to know that they're coming up, and to be adequately prepared for them when they happen. Right. Okay, so it's not redundant, it's review. That's how I think of it. And I would say, just to keep the alliteration going, it's also reinforcement. So by actually writing it down again, I'm reinforcing my commitment to that thing which I've committed to. Not only that, but you're not wasting so much time and distraction. So you're probably actually making up time rather than spending additional time. Totally. And I think, you know, for example, with the Full Focus Planner, one of the things our customers have reported to us, I mean, in the thousands now, people have reported to us that they've never been more focused. They've never been less distracted because they're out of that digital environment for managing their day. All right, Dad. So enough theoretical talk. I want you to show me how you really do this in real life. I want to take the show on the road and walk the 10 feet (laughs) from where we're sitting right now to your desk and have you show me how you really do all these things. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So this is our very first field trip. On I know. the lead to win show, we went all the way across the room to your desk. Here we are. We're standing at your your desk, and we're looking at your calendar. And you're going to share the three steps that you have in this hybrid system and help us not be intimidated by it, right? All right. So we're going to talk about the digital tools. We're going to talk about analog tools and how the two fit together. So step one is to select a digital calendar and a task manager. So let's start with the calendar. Okay. Currently, we use Google Calendar. And it's not just me that uses this. We use this company-wide. Right. And one of the things that we've done is we've set up different kinds of calendars. So we've got a promotional calendar. In fact, let me just uh, flip to that. By the way, I use Fantastical, which sits on top of the Google Calendar. It just provides me using a Mac with a little cleaner interface and with some bells and whistles that I can uh, do that you don't have in just straight up Google Calendar. So for example... Uh, That's my private calendar. A handful of people have access to this. People like you, people like mom, a handful of executives, my executive assistant, of course. Uh, Then we can layer on top of that our company promotional calendar. So this has things like webinars, what promotions we're doing. Um, We probably probably have about like 10 calendars, I would say, you know, in all for the company. If you count our own personal calendars in that. And maybe an important point here is that Um, on a daily basis, how many do you have up when you're looking at your calendar? Honestly, on a daily basis, I have one up. Yeah. And that's my private calendar. Because uh, occasionally when I'm doing planning, like when I'm doing my weekly review, I'll reference the entire promotional calendar for the company because I want to give context to my individual actions. 
but that's a distraction day to day. And so just I to be clear, simple. that's not when you say your private calendar, you don't mean like it only has personal appointments on it. You mean your individual calendar. So yeah. it has personal and professional. That's right. But it doesn't have things that pertain to other people in the yeah. company. It's only the right. things where it requires my uh, focus. Now, this is a cool one. I'm showing you this one. This is a separate calendar that I've got set up that's my ideal week. Okay. And so I've set up every appointment as a recurring appointment so that no matter where I'm at in the year, this recurs every week ad infinitum, in other words, into the future for as far as you can go. And it's got every single spot blocked on my calendar with what I would like to have there if I had 100% control of my time. So it's kind of like a template. It's like a template. And this serves as a template for Jim as he schedules meetings. So I've got certain time allocated for front stage activities. So when Jim's scheduling something like front stage activity, which would according to podcasts would be that kind of thing, he knows the slots that are available for that. And he always tries to do that if he possibly can. But this is something you set up probably a long time ago. It's not something you're needing to maintain in any way. You just have it set up. And yeah. I'm going to show you that in a minute when we get to the analog planner, because okay. I do revisit visit it once a quarter and then it okay. gets trued up here. But this is just kind of an overlay on the calendar that gives us a chance to make sure that we're acting in a way that's in alignment with that ideal calendar. Got it. Okay, so the great thing about a digital solution is that it allows changes to the calendar to be shared instantly mm -hmm. across devices, um, from person to person, and nobody has to wonder uh, or make sure that that change is replicated on everybody's individual right, calendars. which could get crazy. Well, that did get crazy back in the world when we only had analog uh, calendars, because if you made a change to your calendar, you had to make sure everybody else got that change as well. And that usually involved a phone call or a, an email or a memo or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things that I really like about uh, Fantastical or, or Google Calendar. And I won't get into all these now, but like you notice this little car up here oh, in front of this appointment. That's cool. So it's got travel time, right? So it automatically generates that? It doesn't automatically generate it. But if you know the travel time that it's going to take, like in this particular right. case, it takes me 30 minutes to get to church. I've got the travel time built in so that mm -hmm. I leave on time. Same thing with getting to the airport. Most of my meetings are, you know, I don't I don't have to go anywhere for them. They're either happening here or they're happening uh, in close proximity yeah. or virtually. So there's no travel time. Another thing too that I like is that I'll have, uh, let me just flip to today, is that I've got meeting notes. So this is where Jim puts, if I can get it up here, okay. So I have, for example, today we're looking at podcast recordings. He has a link right in the note of the calendar item to all the show prep. Right. Or so any of the details related to the meeting, you know, are right there in the meeting uh, appointment where I can get to it. So that's a great thing as well. So that's the calendar. Then we have to look at the task manager. And currently, as I said earlier, I'm using Todoist. I feel a little badly about that because I used Nosby for years and I still think it's a great product and I know the guys there. So I feel like I'm a little bit, you know, um, betraying those guys, but I'm not. This is just the tool that I'm currently using. You just like to experiment all the time. I, I do. And I don't fall too in love with tools, although I tend to have a long trajectory on the tools that I like, but I've been using Todoist for about six months and I like it because it thinks like I do, which is hierarchically. And let me just show you, for example, at the highest level. I like I've, all these colors, by the way. How do you think about the colors? Uh, I don't really pay too much attention to the colors. I make sure they're different colors, but I don't... You can really get sophisticated with that if you want uh -huh. to, but I don't. One of the things I like about Todoist um, is that it's really simple. You know, it's not um, kind of overly complex and intimidating if you're new to digital task management. Right. So I have one project that's a top-level project called Personal. 
And then I have a lot of projects underneath that. And then I've got one that's a top level project that's called MH Co, which is Michael Hyatt and Company. And under that, I have like an administration project that's got a bunch of stuff under it. And then I've got brands. And then I have a sub project under each one of those for each of our major brands, like Best Year Ever, Free to Focus, Full Focus Planner, so forth. And then I'll put the actual tasks inside of those buckets. Mm -hmm. And then I have one for platform. Again, this is more the high level stuff. This is still under MH Co. But uh, this is like for speaking, for social media, for you know the blog and so forth. Now, inside of that, I will put the tasks, not for today, but any tasks where I want to make sure that I'm not going to forget about that task, I put it here. So I'm getting ready, for example, to speak at LeaderCast. And I know I've got three tasks and I've got them right here. They're not things I'm going to do today. So I don't want them on my today list. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be distracted by them. So I've got, you know, write new intro and conclusion. And I've actually delegated that to Mandy to do the first draft of it. You can see her name right here. And then I've got to approve the slides and I've got to rehearse uh, the speech. And that's all coming up. It's not something I need to worry about today. So my task management system is a parking lot for non-today tasks. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yep. Because I want to get out of the digital environment for anything that's related to today. So you're not in and out of this all day long. You're reviewing it, what, once in your morning routine and maybe at the end of your day? Or how does that work for you? Yeah. Or if I think of a task that needs to be done, but it doesn't need to be done right now, then I just go ahead and park it in Todoist and I don't think about it. Actually, if it happens during the middle of the day... I'm writing it in my planner, and then I'm going to transfer it at two prescribed times, either my uh, workday startup ritual or my workday shutdown ritual. I'm going to move things in and out of Todoist onto my daily planner. Let me just give you another example here. Uh, Here's my uh, full focus planner project. And there I've got, you know, discuss the product roadmap with Joel. Then I've got discuss the third edition revisions with Joel, which, by the way, we're doing tomorrow. Uh, Make revisions to the third edition and then print prototypes for the team and and our top clients. So those are just tasks that I may delegate, right? but they're not important to me today, so they're on the task manager. I don't want to lose them, though. So this the important thing that I hear you saying for the, the hybrid system conversation is this is not your to-do list. That's right. So you're not using your task management system as a daily to-do list. This is more like parking a, lot. a parking lot or a receptacle for all the things that you're going to put in there and come back to later. So why don't we go ahead and shift gears to that and talk about it. Okay. So the Full Focus Planner is a solution that we created. It's a literal, physical, analog planner, old school planner, but I think it has a lot of innovations that are really cool. And so I'm going to just walk through what I put in this. So at the very first is are my annual goals. And so this is one page with right now I have nine annual goals and I've handwritten them. I write them out completely fresh every quarter. Sometimes they change, sometimes they get revised, but by writing them out, it reinforces them into my memory and my consciousness and gives me an opportunity to recommit to them. So we talked a whole bunch about that in a recent episode, making a case for paper. So if you want to know more about that, you can learn all about it in that episode. Then we go to the next sheets or the next forms, which are the goal details. And here's where I'm writing out all, you know, a goal summary, my key motivations, next steps, my reward, streak tracker, all that stuff for each goal. Sounds more involved than it is, but there's just a few pages, one for each of my goals there. So then we get to something called the rolling quarters. This kind of functions like a calendar, but this allows me to see my upcoming commitments. But get this, only the big rocks. So it's not every appointment, not every detail of my calendar, but the big commitments. Why? So I have context about what's coming up. 
And I typically will fill this out at the beginning of the quarter so that I get the context for the entire quarter. And then I revisit it from time to time just so I can find my place in the quarter. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Then if I flip over past the rolling quarters, I get to the ideal week. And you can see I've written this out by hand. Hmm. So this sometimes doesn't change, but more often than not, I'm tweaking it. So I'm adjusting some things based on my current responsibilities, um, the season, whatever, I'll adjust this. But this is my current ideal week. And by the way, this also got put, once I did this on the paper planner, it got put into that one specific calendar in Google Calendar that was my ideal week so that Jim would have reference to it, so that you would have reference to it, so that we were all working together to stay in sync on what goes where. Then we flip over and here's my daily rituals. And this is where I write out my morning ritual, my workday startup ritual, my workday shutdown ritual, and my evening ritual, including an estimate of how much uh, time it's going to take. And again, there's huge value in writing that out. Then we get to the daily pages. And so I'm going to turn to today's page. And the way this looks is on the left-hand page is my uh, my task list and my agenda for the day. Mm-hmm. And then on the right-hand page is just a place to take notes. So for meeting notes or brainstorming or ideas that occur to me during the, the day, so much easier to just write them down here yeah, rather than whip out your smartphone and try to remember your workflow of how you add something to your task list. I mean, or try to not check Instagram while you're trying to find your Evernote app. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. Honest. Let me know how that works out. Yeah. So, so this is really where the rubber meets the road and connecting the digital solution right. to the analog one on a regular and daily basis. Yeah, so during my workday startup ritual, I'm going to go through my digital task manager. I'm going to look at Todoist and I'm going to look through and I'm going to say, okay, what needs to be done today? And by the way, I'm going to review my goals too. So I'm going to flip, flip back to that first page in the planner and look at my annual goals, I'm going to say, is there anything that I could add to my daily big three that would move me forward in the pursuit of one of my goals? Or it could be a goal or it could be an important project. Is there an important thing that needs to be done today? So for example, today I have as my daily big three, record four podcasts. (laughs) Number two, record podcast ads. Okay. And then number three, approve new speech intro and conclusion. Okay, so that's my big three. If I got nothing else done today, and oh, by the way, that's all I'll get done today because podcast recording is taking all day, but um, that's all I'll do today, and I'm okay with that. If I get three really important things done every day, three things that either move me toward my goals or are important projects, that's enough. You can build a business or a life on that, as it turns out. You can totally do that. (laughs) And guess what? When I look at this list, Meg, I've also got a place for other tasks where I can write sort of the, the trivial tasks. Don Miller told me one time when he looked at this, he said, so that's kind of like your junk drawer for tasks. <laughs> and I said, yeah. So this is all the things. Just you smaller know, things. That are smaller not things. Big projects. Or running goals. errands, whatever. But uh, those things, if they don't get done, they can float to the next day, you know, usually without any big consequence. But when I look at this, guess what? I don't feel overwhelmed. Right. Because I've only got three things to do today. Now, on the right side of that same page is my agenda. So I do have the podcast recording that's marked out. I've got uh, dinner with Gail tonight because this is date night and it's her birthday. So I'm super excited about that. And then normally I would keep um, my notes over here on the right, but I really haven't done that today because we've been recording all day. One of the things that I've found to be very helpful about using the agenda and writing out what my daily schedule is there is that um, as I have gotten more and more meetings on my schedule in particular, because of the way that our uh, calendar works within the company and our company ideal week, Mondays and Tuesdays are very meeting heavy for me. And Mm. I was finding that 
I would sometimes forget what was coming up next, or I'd run a little over on a meeting, or it's just difficult for me to keep it all straight when I had, you know, six or seven meetings in a day. And what's really helpful as part of my workday startup routine, when I fill all that out, or actually my morning ritual, when I fill out my planner for the day, it helps me to get clear again in a way that if I were relying only on my digital calendar, it's much harder to have kind of the context and I don't know, sense of proportion um, about it when you're looking at it from kind of a passive perspective, but that puts me in a more active relationship with the things that I have in my schedule and helps me to stay on track throughout the day. So I really enjoyed that. That's excellent. And honestly, if I just looked at my digital calendar, it feels overwhelming because oh, yeah. I've got all these lists, they're all categorized and there's organization and structure, but it, it feels like overwhelming, like there's too much to do. Right. But again, not everything has to be done today. Yeah. Only three things have to be done today. And when I look at that, it looks manageable. And I promise you, when I get to the end of this day, I've already got two of these items done just about as soon as we finish this episode, but uh, I'm not going to feel overwhelmed. I'm going to feel satisfied. Like I finished my list. I know that I accomplished the most important things. I can go to dinner with Gail and be fully present with her, not distracted by an endless, never-ending to-do list. All right. So the first step is to select a digital calendar and task manager. And the second is to integrate your digital tools with a paper planner, like the full focus planner. And to talk about the third step, we're going to go back and sit down and talk with Susie Barber uh, about how to leverage an executive assistant to help you manage it all. We'll get right back to the episode in just a moment, but we needed to let you know about an exciting new opportunity for high achievers to gain the instruction, inspiration, and community that they need to perform at a higher level. It's a special two-day event called Achieve 2018, and it is the first ever Full Focus Conference. Achieve 2018 will take place between September 14th and 15th in Nashville, Tennessee, and hundreds of high achievers from around the world will gather to learn how to optimize their time so that they can achieve even bigger goals. At the conference, attendees will discover how to set up their ideal week, how to track their habits, how to set up 90-day goals, and so much more. Attendees will also learn from our most successful users of the planner, and they'll learn and see how they're setting up productivity systems that power their high-achieving lifestyle. If you are someone who is hungry for ways to optimize your routines, performance, and achievement, then this is where you should be in Nashville on September 14th and 15th. Also, the event will be debuting our brand new 3.0 version of the planner, and everyone who attends will get a free 3.0 version of the planner so you can dive right in and supercharge your productivity. To secure your ticket and find out more about the event, head to AchieveConference.com today. That's AchieveConference.com. And you really should go now because prices are low for limited time. So grab your ticket before the prices go up. We'll see you in Nashville. All right. So we've heard how a hybrid system works in real life uh, and why to use it. And so the second step is to combine your paper planner for annual goals, major commitments, daily tasks, meeting notes, and weekly and quarterly reviews after that. But what's the third step? Well, the third step happens to be enlisting the help of your executive assistant to help manage it all. So this is kind of like the real secret sauce. So today I have with us uh, our director of operations, Susie Barber, who also leads and coaches our executive support team within Michael Hyde and Company. And she is like a calendar ninja of ninjas. <laughs> if there was like a grand master 
ninja something. So I'm, I'm like reverting we to Ninjago because my kids are into Ninjago. I'm trying to think of what the most <laughs> serious ninja is. Whatever it would be, that would be you. So I'm so nice. glad you're here because I think you have a lot of insight that will really help people figure out how to make this work in their own life. Um, of course, not everybody has an assistant, but many of our mm-hmm. listeners do. And if you do, we want to help you uh, leverage his or her help in the best way possible. There are also, by the way, a lot of low-cost outsourcing solutions if this is something you want to consider and can really take your productivity to the next level. So, okay, so Susie, before we get into how to leverage an executive assistant, since not everybody has one, but this may be an area that they want Mm -hmm. to invest in, um, what are some great solutions that we would recommend from um, kind of the lowest cost option to the most premium um, that we would feel good recommending to our listeners. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I think a lot of people think that an executive assistant is completely just not affordable and not in their budget. And if that's you, I would just def- definitely encourage you to do some research because there are some really low cost options. One of our favorite options for that is owned by our friend Chris Ducker, and mm-hmm. it's called Virtual Staff Finder, and that's a wonderful solution. Um, our favorite solution and one that we've used ourselves is Belay Solutions. Yes, and they are incredible. You can get an executive assistant that's high level, that's fantastic through them for just 10 hours a week. Well, that's where we found Susie. Yes, that's right. Yes, right? back in the day. And back we in continued the day. <laughs> to use Belay Solutions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in fact, I was just at dinner with my good friend, our good friend, Ian Cron. And Ian told me that his assistant, Wendy, that he hired, I don't know, several months ago. Oh, I think actually now it's been like almost two years ago. Wow, oh, really yeah. that long? I think well, so. Well, he said to me over dinner, I said, how's that working out? He said, single best business decision I ever made. Yeah. Yay. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this is not a paid endorsement. We just no. love them and we think they they could help you. So, right. okay, so assuming now you have an executive assistant on board, how can you how can you leverage their expertise and help to manage calendar? First of all, what are the biggest problems that you've seen busy leaders or biggest mistakes rather that you've seen busy leaders make in using executive assistants to manage their calendar or their tasks? That's a great question. So I would say, first and foremost, the biggest mistake is not using an executive assistant to manage your calendar. So there are a lot of executives who, for a variety of reasons, mainly I think because they feel like they can do it better and there's there's no one else who could ever really grasp how they need to schedule their calendar um, and they are hesitant to let go of that control, they hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And they think it's really the best use of their time when it's not. And so that's the biggest mistake is just not trusting or using an executive assistant to do your scheduling and your calendaring. Um, and then once you've started using one, the next biggest mistake is not empowering them or trusting them yes. and continuing to take it back, continuing to trying to schedule things on your own. Um, That's a big one. It's huge. That's one actually um, back uh, several positions ago that you, when you were my executive assistant, that you broke me up. You had to kind of raise (laughs) me in this, you know, that you basically said like, you can't schedule anything. If you're going to turn it over to me, then you have to relinquish full control. And so I now don't schedule anything. And that, that keeps me out of so much trouble every now and then, like once every three to six months, I'll try and it has to get rescheduled. I mean, I, I never, <laughs> I can never successfully do it. I'm like completely yeah. incompetent. In this well, area. part of what happens there is we lose the context. Right. And the thing that a good totally. executive assistant has is they know what's coming before, what's coming after. Yes. They're monitoring your energy level. You know, so there's, there's times when I've scheduled something and my assistant, Jim says, well, you realize you're giving that major keynote presentation the week after that, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I, what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but he's got all that in context because he's a professional. That's what he does. He manages my calendar. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm like a freelancer. 
You know, I'm just like <laughs> doing it occasionally and I almost always screw it up. Yeah. So Susie, what do you think is the real value of having an executive assistant manage your calendar as a leader? Yeah. So beyond the fact that, first of all, this is going to increase your productivity because it's going to get a lot of the time that you spend trying to manage your own calendar off of your plate and Mm -hmm. free you up. People don't often realize how much time calendar coordination takes. There is, And there's so many details that you miss and so much back and forth and rescheduling. And um, so that piece is a huge win. But I think the biggest benefit is that if you've got it set up right and you kind of get going with a good foundation, an executive assistant really becomes the guardian of your most important Mm. priorities. And they really, really protect your most important work, your most important boundaries better. Please hear me on that. Yes. Way better than you ever Definitely. will. They say no on your behalf. I was going to say huge, that's a big one. Huge. Um, and so that's a that's the probably the biggest one. I mean, here's the truth. I, I have a hard time saying no to people. So if I okay. get a request for an appointment, mm-hmm. I want to please people. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I've admitted that publicly. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to say no. But Jim, on the other hand, he has no problem with it. Right. You know, he's not emotionally connected. He may not have the history. And he's also got the sensitivity, just in case people think, well, that could be a problem. He's got the sensitivity to it. Mm-hmm. He knows the people that he needs to say yes to. But he also keeps me from getting into some things that really I have no business doing. We've um, sent decline emails, both myself and Jim, before, and we'll sometimes get responses that say, well, I'm really disappointed in this answer, but that is the best no I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I'm, I want to thank you for saying no to me in this way. So an executive assistant can actually do it better than you yes. can most of the time. So Susie, um, for leaders who want to take their teamwork with their executive assistant to the next level, maybe mm-hmm. this is not going so well right now or they're just getting started. What are some guidelines for how you can work well with an executive assistant around your calendar and how you can make this a really effective process? That's a great question. So the first thing that I would say is if you or your executive assistant is not familiar with our approach to the ideal week and using that as a tool, that is probably the best place to start because Mm -hmm. you really need to have an ideal week as a foundation when someone else is managing your calendar. So that essentially basically is the criteria that your executive assistant will use to craft a week that protects your margin and protects your most important work. And so I would definitely start out with going through an ideal week exercise with your executive assistant if you haven't done that. And then if you have, continually touch base on that ideal week to make sure it's updated, that it's where you want it to be, and then they can use that as a guiding path to really craft a week that works for you. And so, Dad, do you want to just briefly explain what the ideal week is and where people could learn more about that if they'd like to? Yeah, I was actually thinking that let's just link in the show notes to some of the episodes that we've done in the past, not mm-hmm. only on our current uh, Lead to Win podcast, but in the old podcast too, because I've talked about it mm-hmm. In a lot of places. We also teach this in our free to focus course, right. as well yeah. as in depth in our activation workshops, which is in our group coaching uh, kind of context there. Susie, the reality is, is that if you're a successful leader and your business is growing rapidly, you are going to get overwhelmed. You are going to find yourself in the weeds, no matter Mm. how good at productivity you think you are. This is just the natural consequence of success. And it happens to us on a fairly regular basis. It happens to the leaders and executives on our team. And so what do you say when a leader comes to you and they're overwhelmed? How do you help them dig out and kind of find a new path? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I think the first thing that I always try to encourage people to do is to know right away that um, you don't have to be ashamed. I think shame can kind of come on the scene really quickly when you're feeling overwhelmed and just kind of say, you know, 
I should have this together or I uh, should know better by now. I've been doing this long enough. And what we kind of had joked about is you don't want to start feeling like you're weak sauce. You know what I mean? Like you can't handle it just because you're overwhelmed. When in reality, there's people who have been doing this for a long time who are productivity gurus like Michael Hyatt who get overwhelmed from time to time. And we have to um, kind of regroup and, and address priorities and kind of get back together on that. So one, if you're feeling overwhelmed, don't be ashamed. And then the second thing is to immediately enlist help. So I would encourage you, if you're feeling that way, after you finish listening to this episode, call your executive assistant (laughs) and say, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need an hour to triage my calendar. Um, You could also do that over lunch with your spouse, like tomorrow. Um, But my point that I'm getting (laughs) to there- Take action quick. That's what you're trying to say. My point that I'm getting to there is get help and do it quick. Because if you just put your head down and keep trying to move forward and get more done and get more done, you're never going to stop being overwhelmed. So you've got to- stop immediately and reassess the situation. Um, And then when we talk about reassessing, what we usually do is something that we like to call calendar triage. Yes. Okay. I love calendar triage, though. Um, The first time you do it, it can be a little scary. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like declaring email bankruptcy (laughs) or something. (laughs) Similar concept. Yeah, it is a similar concept. But you basically look at your calendar with your executive assistant um, in the driver's seat, preferably, Mm -hmm. with fresh eyes and say, what has to go to free me up here? And there's no sacred cows. There may be things that you have to cancel back out of. Of course, we recommend that you do that, um, you know, with integrity on honoring the people um, that you You've made the commitment to. We've talked about that in other episodes, of course. But um, but how do you approach that? Because I mean, you're pretty brutal. Like you you kind of have a, a virtual machete when you go about this process. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of dark, but we do like to use the term machete uh, because what we're talking about there essentially is not how can we fit more and more in and keep going and going, but we're having to make some hard decisions. And yes. the more that you grow in your leadership, the more that those decisions are harder to make because all the opportunities are great, yes. right? And all the things on your plate seem important and Mm -hmm. all of them seem significant, but the reality of it is you can't do it all. So you've got to get really clear on what you need to do. So I always suggest that people start kind of with our big three in priorities, which we like to say is margin, profit, and people. Mm -hmm. And so the very first thing you want to evaluate when you're doing a triage is how is your margin? If you are sacrificing your nights, your weekends, your mornings, whatever your time off is supposed to be, your health, your marriage, your family, it's not worth it. So you've got to immediately stop and say, what do I have to do to regain that time? And you're not productive. I no, mean, if you're no if you don't have any rejuvenation, you're totally. probably getting slower by the minute. Yeah, by the minute and rapidly. Well, the reason you feel overwhelmed is because there's no break. Right. And the thing about a break, whether it's taking off in the evenings or mm-hmm. taking off on the weekends or taking a vacation, you know, I can power through and work really hard during the work time as long as I know I've got my evening free and I've got my weekends free. Right. And when you don't have that, you're going to feel overwhelmed. So you've mm-hmm. got to attack margin first. Absolutely. It's critical really for your business it and is. the success of your business. Um, so yeah, so check your margin first and foremost. And then from there, you're, what you're talking about is high leverage activities with people and profit. So who are the most important people that you have to focus your time on? Usually that's internal members of your team um, and your obviously top clients, your top maybe. clients, things like that. And then your profit. How do you need to protect profit, manage profit, make profit? profit. Mm -hmm. And those are usually your high leverage activities. And so what is pulling you away from those activities? And usually we like to kind of say, look at a short period of time first. Let's start with a week, then let's look at a month. And then if you can do up to 90 days, that'll really give you a good amount of relief because you don't want to just clean up next week and then feel overwhelmed the following week. Mm -hmm. So you do need to kind of get out in front of it. Um, But start where you can and start cutting basically the things that don't protect margin and then meet those high level uh, requirements in terms of people and profit. 
I love that. All right. So if you're not using your assistant right now to manage your calendar in this kind of hybrid system, um, what's the first step? To start using your assistant to manage. <laughs> Was that just, a trick question? Just do it. <laughs> just do it. No, seriously, don't be afraid of that. Um, and get set up for success with them from the beginning using things like the Ideal Week and getting clear on the criteria that you need them to have for you to be able to trust that they can do it. But really release that because you'll find that it will increase your productivity. I, and I think you actually have to say to yourself as a leader, I don't do calendar management. That's like I, I say that when I go to a dentist appointment, for example, you know, totally. like I do you go to thing. any kind of medical appointment, yes. they always want you to schedule your next thing while you're there. That's kind of part of like probably their business model is to get you for the next appointment or haircut or whatever. I always just say, oh, I actually don't manage my schedule, but uh, you know, you can call Jamie and here's her number or, or I'll have Jamie reach out to you on that. And she, of course, always does, but I don't even touch it. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of leaders want to be kind of, you know, the person that takes action in the moment and being really responsive. Yeah. And so, yeah, let me just check my calendar and do something right now. You got to get away from that. Totally. Your value and your significance is not from managing your calendar. Your board of directors or your boss is not paying you to manage your calendar if yeah. you're a senior level executive or if you're a business owner, right? right? That's something that somebody else probably has the passion and the proficiency to do well. And it's probably not something that's in what you know we call your desire zone. Right. If it is, probably need to change careers. Well, Susie, thanks so much for being here with us today. This has been invaluable, I'm sure, for our listeners and hopefully inspires them to either uh, get an executive assistant who can take over their calendar management or take their teamwork with their current executive assistant to the next level. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. It's always fun. Thanks. Today, we've learned that a hybrid calendar system combines the power of digital tools with the increased focus of a paper planner to help you manage your day. As we come in for a landing, I just want to remind you that you have control over your own life. You can take control of your time to gain freedom and focus using the right tools for help. Dad, do you have any final thoughts today? Yeah, I think we need to avoid this kind of polarization that often occurs between the people that advocate digital tools only and those that advocate analog tools only. This is a great reminder that usually the third option is the best option. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get caught up in this uh, polarized debate online between whether it's all digital tools (laughs) or all analog solutions. And rarely is life either or. Mm -hmm. The best solution is often both and, which enables you to have this power and focus that comes from paper and the retention that comes from writing things down, and yet the convenience and the shareability of the digital tools. So don't get pushed into this either or debate, make it both and. As we close, I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes and a full transcript online at leadto.win. And a special thanks also to Susie Barber for taking time out of her day to join us. Thank you, Susie. Thanks again for joining us on Lead to Win. If you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also, please leave a review of the show. It's simple to do. It'll only take you a few minutes. Just go to michaelhyatt.com slash review it. This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt and Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski. Our writers are Joe Miller and Lawrence Wilson. Our production assistant is Alicia Curry. Our recording engineer is Mike Burns. And our intern is Winston. We invite you to join us again next week when we'll talk about the three key ingredients for creating a great team culture. Until then, lead to win.
So let me answer that by starting with my own journey. I've been using a paper planner. Since college. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this Hashtag so hard? more coffee. More coffee. <laughs> more naps.